Hello, this is Alan, and it's July the 19th, and it's, uh, it's been quite the last few days because we had almost a hurricane force came through here on Wednesday afternoon, and it, uh, it took down trees all over from here all the way down to almost Toronto, went round Toronto and hit places south, and thousands and thousands of people lost power for three days. And some areas they still won't have it on. So mine just came back on, and I've been using the, the day to get rid of all the all the food that melted in the freezer or the fridge. And so I thought I'd better say some words about the present situation uh, that's a building in the Middle East. Those who have been listening to the shows over the last few years, uh, since about 98, will remember I said eventually um, the United States' function would be to force a system on the world. Um, it will be the last function, really, the U.S. has to accomplish. I think that's what it was made to do in the first place, the New World Order. And uh, it's doing that right now. In March 2005, the, the President signed an agreement with the Prime Minister of Canada and Mexico to merge the continent, and they had five more meetings uh, to go before it was all uh, integrated. However, it really is all integrated already, because after 9-11 in 2001, they, they admitted that the, the, the U.S. FBI and intelligence agencies were now interwoven with the thesis of Canada and no doubt the secret police of Mexico uh, and that they've uh, standardized the, the taxations and so on. The dollar, the U.S. dollar has been falling, um, getting ready for merger with the Canadian dollar. And it's interesting because just prior to the agreement being signed in March 2005, the Council on Foreign Relations came out as the Council on Foreign Relations on television in Canada and said that it basically would have no option but to unify the continent and they had proposed plans, meaning they were already drafted in a week later Bush and the rest of them signed it. So these guys were are part of the, uh, the bureaucracy, even though they're a non-governmental organization. And in all their books, they say they're a non-political body, which is true. They don't play politics. They simply follow an agenda, which was written an awful long time ago. Uh, the Council on Foreign Relations is, is um, maybe it should be clarified, the Royal Institute of International Affairs um, came out of the Cecil Rhodes Foundation merging with the Milner, Lord Milner's Foundation of Round Tables and they have charters by the British Crown to exist and all British Commonwealth countries have an have a Institute for International Affairs, Canada is the Canadian Institute, Australia is the Australian Institute, India has one and all non-Commonwealth countries like the US were to be called Councils in Foreign Relations. So that's how they, they pulled this off 
and it's a it's a secretive society. It uh, it um, you can't join it by asking to join it. You prove your worth, and then you, if you're worthy, will be asked to join it. And uh, it's like a huge bureaucratic body of elitists uh, sworn to secrecy, who are who will implement the agenda for world unification, which is only part of this agenda. It's a totalitarian-style society they want to bring in. Uh, it's to be a, uh, a society run by elitists uh, at the top um, on a social level, doing social-type uh, structural work. Uh, the scientific bunches beneath them all employed in think tanks and so on. And the society is for a new era because... They have said the old system is now becoming obsolete, and they're quite correct. And the old system, you see, though we're familiar with it, and we want to fight to save it, uh, wasn't ours in the first place. The same elitists that gave us the Council on Foreign Relations gave us the old system, uh, man and wife, children, home, uh, no tribe sort of thing, government uh, directing you. Prior to that, it was religion directing you. Um, for their great work, the great work through the industrial era, the technological era, and then the post-technological era. Uh, so through science, uh, we have to be adapted to a new system, apparently. And the system is a system which will be uh, run on a scientific basis. Um, that's what the Earth Charter and all these different charters are about. Uh, that's what uh, the United Nations is about, and all the various multitudes of bureaucracies they have to deal with all of what you do in your everyday life. Uh, you haven't seen all the effects yet, but eventually you will. Uh, all uh, local governments uh, across Canada and the States, and the world for that matter, are implementing the same laws at the same time, uh, which all come from the United Nations. And how they're forcing people off the rural areas is to start uh, actually fining them for laws they've had on the books for a few years, coming from the UN, and it's from the the, the um, International Property Maintenance uh, Code from the United Nations. And even for a bent down spike, uh, spout from your guttering or a dented one, you can get fined for that massive amounts of money. And it's rather obvious this is to get you off the land and into what will be future habitat areas where you will not be able to breed with whomever you want to. Um, this is the future they're bringing into play. Uh, you have a function in society. School to work was the Soviet system that's now implemented here. The idea being, well, in 20 years' time, 25 years' time, We'll need X amount of uh, engineers and so many amount of doctors, etc. So they just pick you at school and train you for what you need to know. And you won't, be, you won't need geography or history or anything like that if you're going to be a plumber or an electrician. Uh, you, know, you won't need mathematics if you're going to be a, a casual laborer, uh, that kind of thing. They, they think it's more efficient. And this was written about a long, long, long time ago when H.G. Wells uh, wrote the... Um, shape of things to come. 
the story there was based around uh, a guy sort of growing up and becoming a bicycle repairman opposite another bicycle repairman and showing you how everybody's competing in this system and it's just getting out of hand. There's too many people trying to compete with each other, even though this is the system they gave us, which is now obsolete, that they're quite correct and that there's too many people all trying to do the same thing. Uh, and only the, the, the strongest survive, the most ruthless survive in this system and become what, what is called successful. Or you join Freemasonry and business is guaranteed to come your way. So we're, we're really steamrolling ahead with the agenda. Now the U.S. has already been making noises about going in uh, to Lebanon. Uh, we'll, we'll watch Israel use uh, a con game to, to start their usual strategic airstrikes. They don't do terrorist acts with their air force. They do strategic airstrikes and bomb tenement buildings in Beirut, which is a replay of, of the 1970s scenario the hand for months and months and months until it became standard fare on TV and nobody took any notice. That's how quickly we adapt to things. And it, uh, it, people are getting kidnapped all the time by by various Arab factions. And Israelis uh, do the same thing when they want to detain people. They just call it detention, bringing you in for detention. They just whisk you off the street and then you go. So through semantics and doublespeak, they can confuse issues. And uh, this was not over uh, a couple of kidnappings. Uh, this was planned because the U.S. was losing um, support for the war in Iraq. Uh, and the agenda for the, for the um, New American Century plan, which was published some years ago, before 9-11, <coughs> had, had it in it, they'd have to go into Iran and Syria and in all these countries, because the plan is really to standardize the world into the same democracy, this this thing with central banking and paid con men that pretend to be politicians looking after your benefit, um, and the central bank is connected to the World Bank, and the World Bank is uh, as with 13 families that run the planet uh, financially and pass figures around amongst themselves. Uh, and the whole thing is just a, a magic act, as we all know. So they're rushing ahead, and they got their 51st state, really, got Israel. That's why Israel is called the State of Israel, not the nation. Uh, it's, it's another branch of the United States. And it's been very, very handy uh, up until now, because when the U.S. can't get public support at home, Israel goes and makes the first move. And then, of course, uh, the U.S. has to back them. This time, they've got the approval of the U.N., which, of course, will bring the U.S. in up to strength. They've been after the power to run the world's armies since the League of Nations, that they're their precursor. And uh, the United Nations just was the phoenix bird that uh, evolved into the United Nations. Same agenda, same goals, the world government. Uh, so, they, yeah, they're setting up this, um, this uh, fast, uh, response army, not team anymore, teams where they can move 150,000 men in, within five days to any area in the world. And apparently the U.S. have also signed this agreement recently. But it's a two-way sword because once you sign it, it means the U.N. can then bring 150,000 troops or more in five days into your country if need be. 
and this is probably the scenario we're going to see coming down uh, probably towards the end of, of this campaign in the Middle East. Uh, they want every country to join in in the Middle East as well and get it over and done with as quickly as possible because the world is not too happy, of course, with Israel that was deliberately set up there to do what it's doing uh, a long time ago. Uh, it was started off by uh, Baron Rothschild, who financed the beginnings of, of the immigration. And then, of course, the Bolshevik Revolution uh, afterwards, um, uh, they, they, they really started to occupy Israel when, the, when Britain uh, had the so-called protectorate of that area and Britain supervised them coming in and setting up. And Lord Curzon was the guy who was in charge of that whole area uh, for, the, for the crown of England. And Lord Curzon uh, wrote his memoirs about it, uh, that most of them coming in were all from, from Russia, Soviet. And uh, many of them, if not all of them at that time, were, were actually communists. Hard, hard communist too. So this was set up with cooperation of, of England, and I have no doubt that Jewish people will take the blame for this, and people will, will never suspect that, that uh, those in, in London, the big families in London, <coughs> who have run the world for a long, long time, uh, really had anything to do with it. And yet it was Britain, as I say, that diverted men from the lines in Europe in World War I. They diverted them and took them in to uh, the Middle East at the end of the war and uh, started fighting with Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, to get rid of them, to clear the way for the, for the, the, the quick British occupation. And then, of course, they started bringing in Israelis. So no, these big families in London, England, have a lot to do with the creation of uh, modern-day Israel. Winston Churchill wrote in the 1920s, and he should know because he was part of the team that uh, uh, drew the lines in the sand on the maps, at least, of where the various countries would be after the World War One, And uh, they did the same in World War Two again. Uh, no Arab input at all. And uh, he did say in 1920s, though, that there would be a big war uh, with Iraq one day because of the oil that lay under the desert sands to the north. And we have to realize that these boys, they don't see the future as we do. We, we see short-term goals. And it's hard for us to, to start a project and maybe never see the end of it, the completion. It's not really in us, but these people belong to diplomatic corps where they work in centuries and uh, they start the ball rolling and they do their part in it knowing it will be taken over and, and continued and uh, they, they see 100 years down the road 200 years down the road maybe 3 maybe more and they work steadily towards it and we're watching this grand finale here where the last countries uh, which were uh, regardless of what you think of them or the propaganda we've had about them, they have been independent for a long time. Those last countries have been brought up, uh, were brought up to standard 
taken over, uh, UNESCO goes in, grabs the first children, trains them in their schools to be the first generation uh, brainwashed with uh, what we think is democracy. And we're all being taken care of like good, happy little sheep. And it's somehow these superior beings above us that we don't even meet or see or even know their names most of the time uh, are just managing us very well. Thank you very much. And uh, just go out and have a good time, dance to music, uh, have lots of sex, and take drugs, uh, and have abortions, and, and just work and pay taxes. That's, that's a good citizen. That's what they want. He says, a good producer-consumer, according to the United Nations. And we're watching, as I say, this, this role now, which is all or nothing. Now, before all of this started, even with Iraq, and, and American people have forgotten that Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. That was in our papers in Canada about two years ago. They even showed some of the tribunal or the inquiry into uh, the war on Iraq, and George Bush said on television, on CBC, he said, I never said that Iraq had anything to do with 9-11. He said, I still think it was a, a good thing to do, though, because we got rid of a nasty man. So that was his answer to invading Iraq. Uh, of course, we know the real reason. His real reason is not just the oil and all the rest of it, which they will all benefit from, all these big boys. But yeah, they want to standardize that whole Middle East and bring them into the same system, uh, develop the same middle classes, upper middle classes, which will then go into politics and bureauc become bureaucrats and join the Freemasonry and take their kickbacks and, and keep the sheep happy. That's the real reason they went to Iraq. And the papers here said that, that the Americans had forgotten because of the massive propaganda of United States newspapers, they'd forgotten that Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. Now the pretense to go into all the other countries is already on a roll. The treaties with Israel are there. Yeah, America has uh, joined at the hip with Israel. As I say, it's no coincidence it's called the State of Israel. And uh, and there's bigger players behind this than, than the people realize. Um, whether they'll ever emerge in the near future and show their faces, I don't know. But uh, this is a standard technique is to set up people to be hated take the fall, and uh, we're, we're seeing it happening right now, because this is going to be a very, very angry world when people say, well, why are we fighting and dying for, for a country, someone else's country? Uh, someone else's country, um, and a country that doesn't even want, really, to be part of the international community, as you keep telling us. Isn't that a strange term? International community. Uh, we hear this repeated all over every speech that's given by all the big players. Uh, Tony Blair gave a speech recently with all the slogans and buzzwords uh, in there that uh, Lenin talked about. Lenin said, we shall win this war by slogans and repetition. And so we hear international community. We hear interdependence and all this kind of thing. And we always think these things mean it stops at the border somehow, but it doesn't because interdependence means you, as a citizen, a single person, 
you will be interdependent on everyone else for your needs. And one day, I mean it, you will be fined or shot uh, for having a garden because you'll be antisocial trying to be independent. You this is the world we're creating. It's similar to the rights of the child that the UN passed. And everybody says, well, that's, that's fair enough. Let's all, the children are, should have rights and we are decent people. And then, of course, once it's all through, you find out the parents end up having no rights at all. That's your typical doublespeak of, of the United Nations. So when you hear interdependence, yeah, it comes right down to the individual. Interdependent on everyone else. And of course, we've seen, <laughs> we've seen all the, the, uh, the industry move to China. Uh, just before and after the GATT Treaty, they really speeded up after the GATT Treaty. And uh, the GATT Treaty, they kept, they mentioned it over the, the media, the GATT, GATT, and, and nobody really understood what it was all about because the media wouldn't tell us what it was all about. Uh, that they're not, they're not there to inform you. The media is a middleman. Media, that's what it means. They're a middleman, but they're employed by the big boys. Their job is to manage your mind, to manage your thoughts to manage your cultural changes by promoting certain ideas in culture and entertainment. That's what the media's job is. It's never been there to keep, to be honest, and, and tell you everything you, that, you, that uh, is necessary to know. They tell you all that they deem that you should know, or you need to know. So the gap that you saw, all the industry, basically, end up in China. And not only that, people don't realize that uh, under the GATT Treaty, that the citizens of all the countries that were sending uh, their factories abroad had to pay for the first five, uh, sometimes to ten years, for the setup of those factories until they could make what they claimed was a good profit. Guaranteed by the citizenry, that's not bad, is it? So where's your share in all this? And that was GATT. Uh, most people, again, are never really conscious. Brzezinski said it. He said the public shortly will be unable to, to realize or think for themselves or reason for themselves. They'll just be able to parrot what comes over them from the previous night's news. And we're seeing that today. Most folks have dozed or sleptwalked or, uh, as I say, they're hypnotics. They, 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 they were hypnotized. They just float through the, the transfer of China, they saw the goods coming in, in the stores, all made in China, and it's just a vague thing, but no curiosity, because they've been domesticated, they can't reason for themselves, they can't uh, fathom, or even think about fathoming why China should be making all of your, your goods now. And yet that was planned, as I say, a long time ago, before I was born, that China would be brought up to this present stage. And, uh, well, what happens when all the trade, uh, the, the industry goes out to your country? Uh, they say, oh, you're going to be a service economy. Well, what are you going to do? Well, the, we, oh, a service economy just passes things around from one person to the next and then to the consumer. It doesn't produce anything. It paddles, it, it just treads water. And eventually it must sink. And in this service economy, they say, oh, computers, everything work computers. They said that in the 70s in Britain. 
everybody unemployed in Britain had to take computer courses through the labor exchange, as they called it, for training. And, of course, within a few years, computers had upgraded so much that all these people who took the courses had no jobs because one computer could do the job of dozens more, or maybe even hundreds. Not everybody is meant to go into university. That's what factories uh, took over, that lots of people are, would work in factories. They're all gone. Those people will end up being unemployed, uh, drunk or depressed or on drugs, because they will have no function in this system to come. They are becoming the useless eaters, as Lord Bertrand Russell said back in the 50s, 40s and 50s. The, the, use, the, the useless eaters will not be allowed to live. This is to be a world run on total efficiency. Uh, so we'll watch nature being managed. We've, we've watched all the animals being given rights in the wild. And it's, a, it's a front really take your rights away. We've watched the UN being, bringing, being brought up to power. And, all, and issuing laws galore to, to, uh, for codes and trades and everything else across the planet. And now they want to start inspecting homes everywhere and, and fining people massively if, if their gutter isn't quite uh, up to scratch sort of thing. Uh, or you're a septic or you name it, whatever it happens to be, any reason to get you off. And unfortunately in this world where people are paid to do a particular job, uh, the control freaks get a little hat or a badge and go crazy and that can happen to anybody um, I've seen it myself with a postman that used to come out and measure the height by post box and leave little messages there and if it was down an inch or up an inch after the, the grader went past on the side roads or the snow plough had knocked it over a little bit or they'd wind the road he would complain and leave his little notes and, and I used to leave out a little notes there and have this running dialogue with him and uh, it was interesting to see that anyone, you see, can become a control freak when they think they've got a little bit of authority. That's the world we're coming into. Uh, papers, please. Uh, ID card, please. And eventually a brain chip. Which, again, most people will accept in a cashless society because they've accepted everything else so far, haven't they? And it is not their system. It's, this is the big boys control the system. Now we're at a stage where everyone will be blaming everybody else for what's happening. And so as I say, Israel will take a lot of the heat. Others, of course, blame the Vatican to be behind Israel and the Jesuits. Uh, you'll have all the different factions and groups and creeds, etc., pointing fingers at everybody else as they as go around this whirlpool round and round and round, all strangling each other uh, as you go down the hole in the middle. That's what happens, like a drain hole in the big whirlpool. And it's designed to be that way because the big elitists at the top are called the race. They're called the race. And it's the highest form of masonry you can get into. And people who are already the elite of Japan, China, India... Singapore, everywhere else on the planet are part of the race. This was put very well by people like H.G. Uh, Wells in his non-fictional works, where he wrote about those, those people who 
who would constitute the new race, the new elite, and yet to prove through intergenerational success, financial survival, uh, dominance, that they were fit to rule, uh, they would be brought into the race, and that included the elite of every country who could prove that through many generations those families had dominated and thrived in all times uh, when it was bad for the, the other people below them, thrived and been successful through the good and the bad and dominant. And they were not weak-minded. Uh, they would slaughter when they had to. or They didn't do it themselves, of course. They get other people to call them armies. Uh, but they were always in power. These are the people who would be brought into the, the race. And, uh, and H.G. Wells also drew a list of those who would not be allowed in. Uh, the American Indians were one. He said they would never adapt to the, the, the white man's way of commerce in 85 or 86 or whatever. Uh, it wasn't in them. The black man, of course, was, was added in there too, except those that he said could mimic the white man. And all he was doing was quoting uh, Mills or Mill the great uh, uh, economists of the, the 1800s. There was, there was two. There was a father and son who both were economists, and they both wrote the same kind of lists as who would survive and who, would, uh, who must perish, they said, in a world that would be run on efficiency. Now, that's the reason you've been hearing the, the, the steady drumbeat by so many organizations that seem be independent of each other, but they're not. They're all interconnected. This drumbeat towards population reduction, because back in, in the 1920s, they already knew, and they wrote about it, they knew that the industrial era would eventually come to a halt. They, they knew they'd go on to bigger and better sciences, because they already had bigger and better sciences we knew nothing about. You never share power by to the by to the public with the public by giving it the latest anything to them. You give them obsolete technology, and you make them think this is the latest. You're on the cutting edge. In that way, you'll never suspect that there are technologies that are beyond science fiction that's been in existence for an awful long time. In a world of post-industry, post-technological, uh, is, is to be brought right down in the Western world to uh, an efficient level of management. Uh, they, at one time, under the NAFTA, they had discussed that maybe one strip across the Americas, or America proper, would be uh, the breadbasket of the world, and that would be the function of it. However, then they changed their mind and decided to build up some of the South American countries, like Chile, and since the free trade negotiations and the NAFTA negotiations, your tax money has been pumping into Chile to build them up as one of the biggest producers of vegetables and so on uh, for the world. Uh, we've watched the decline of uh, farms. The small farms have had it. They're obsolete now. They can't compete with the big corporate farms and the agribusiness, as it's now called, and you have oh, the meat packers. Once again, you think they're all independent. They're not. They're all one. 
And that's the con game, is to make you think that they're, oh, we're still free, there's independent companies competing with each other. And as long as you think that, it doesn't dawn on you that it's all one, you see. You're already under a totalitarian structure. And the meat packers dictate to the farmers how much they're going to buy the beef for and how much they're going to sell it for once they're finished with it. This is a controlled system you live in. It's not free enterprise whatsoever. If it was free enterprise at, at international corporation level, you could never allow a CEO to leave your company and take your next 50 to 100 years investments with him because it's all in his head and go to a competitor. You couldn't allow it. But this happens all the time. So we are under the world corporations here. And that's what Professor Carl Quigley talks about in the 1960s in his book, Tragedy and Hope. That this feudal system that was being set up would be uh, run with the international corporations as the new overlords, just like the Normans had their feudal system and they set, in a, uh, set up an overlord for different areas and territories and everybody served them underneath. Now it's the corporations. And sure enough, you just need to look at the, the lobby groups of the corporate firms all around the capital cities of the planet, the, the full-time lobbying, uh, to tell their buddies in politics uh, what they want and what bills to put in that benefit these corporations. And then, of course, you see the, the politicians themselves, who generally have just been in one of these multinational or international corporations, um, move into politics, serve a few years, put the bills through, then go back into the corporations again, and end up with a, or 50 to 100 seats on different boards that he doesn't have to attend. And that's how he's paid off for putting certain bills through. And it's been happening from donkey's years. Donkey's years. We live in a, a corrupt, totally corrupt system. And yet from, from their point of view at the top, it's not corrupt at all. This is, this is their system, so it's not corrupt. Uh, it's our fault if we believe in it, you see. It's like getting inoculation. When you get an inoculation, the term is called, has it taken? And they, sometimes they'll test you to see if it's taken. And, uh, and and that's what they're talking about with the public, has your indoctrination taken? And unfortunately, with the scientific indoctrination that Bertrand Russell talked about in Education and the Good Life uh, back in the early 1900s through experimental schooling in kindergarten, he said, he said, we can indoctrinate the child with three or four hours per day with scientific means so thoroughly that the parents will have no input whatsoever. Whatever moral values, they call them contaminated values, by the way, because they're now obsolete, that if the parents tried to pass on to the children would have, have no effect because those children would be, be put through a scientific indoctrination. And we see it today. We see the parents uh, wondering why the, child, the children won't listen to them and we saw the communists, with a memory, if you remember what communists were, uh, where they used to say that don't trust anybody over 30, that's what the children were taught. Well, now it's, it's just dropping all the time. 
don't trust your parents even because they don't they know nothing. When they change the method of uh, multiplication uh, and reading and writing in the schools, that was deliberate. We see the effects of it today. Uh, the children can't spell. They don't know grammar. That was changed in the 1970s deliberately so that parents couldn't help their children with homework because if they could help them, the child might start to have some respect but know that the, the, the teacher, you see, it was the teacher who had to take that respect and, and, and receive it from the child. And they made sure that the parents were unable to help the children with their homework and even though their methods of division, multiplication were all changed. Uh, so this was intentional scientifically, you see, as Bertrand Russell said. We have to think about words and terms and meanings in this world in which we live. Whenever a bill is put forth, you must question what it really means. And don't ever take it for granted you think it's meant for someone else. That's, like I say, it was like that bill, a perfect example, the rights of the child. United Nations. No one thought it would mean that the parents have no rights. This is the chessboard. This is the great chessboard. The chessboard is played on you all the time. That's why in the big higher lodges like the Skull and Bones, and that's not that high actually, if you're a worker at all, working towards the great work, you're still not the boss in the boss class, the guardian class. But in the Skull and Bone Society, even in the movies they put out, they show you one place that's called the War Room. And it's written on the wall because the scheme and the war is always on the public. In the higher noble orders, you'll find... <laughs> they, they call the people all kinds of names, not just the unwashed masses. That's the... That's the more cleanly, hygienic term they use that's been well known for a long time, but they call it animals and cattle. And that's just a fact, because they know we're not conscious. We've all been through the system designed to keep us unconscious, to be hypnotics, hypnotics who just drift through each day, uh, being downloaded by the news, the media, uh, listen to hear, to see who the, the, the latest uh, sex kitten is, you know, he's come sex kitten. And uh, what actors falling out with so-and-so or having an affair and what sport team is going where and what and why. And it's all trash. It's trivia trash. And that's supposed to fill our heads while our betters, managers, you see, and we're supposed to not worry about these things. Our, our managers, our shepherds, the good shepherds are doing it all for us. Interestingly enough, <laughs> the rampage from the, the fundamental type Christians, the, the ones who emerged uh, after Schofield brought out his Bible, after he was funded by Rothschild to do so, and that is a fact. And uh, to tie in the old revelations as usual and all the old prophecies with what was to come to make Christians think, well, it's God's plan. Let's sit back and take the ride and enjoy it. And sure enough, here they are all cheering on Israel as they, you know, take down apartment building after apartment building. And, and we sit there sort of stunned and 
or, or not even stunned, just hypnotized as always and munch our TV dinners and uh, pass gas and all that kind of stuff. You know. uh, the, the, the standard fear that we're so used to because most folk cannot tell fact from fiction anymore. They can't tell. It's just another movie to them. They have no empathy for anyone outside themselves. So they're sitting ducks to be managed into the next horror show that's coming along because once the U.S. finishes its job, the U.S. is to be submerged in this world, this world system that it helped create. And there'll be no more trivia and toys and no more uh, vast consumption of cheap junk from China and, and no more bombardments of credit cards being thrown at you. The early historians talked about the United States as it was building itself up, where it was the first country where individual prosperity was occurring for the lower classes. And the reason that it came to for it happening was the ready availability of credit and the lack of laws and bureaucracies to hinder them. That's the only reason it was known for a while as a prosperous nation. And as you built yourself up as a prosperous nation, uh, it never occurred to the people that there was an agenda behind it. It never occurs to the people why the founding fathers in every book you read on history chose Rome to model itself after. Rome, the, the empirical Rome, there's a reason for it. That's the reason you have the fasci on either side of the president, the congressional building, when he gives speeches. The fasci is there. The fasci nation, fasci nation. The fasci was a symbol of Rome. The early Catholic Church, or which simply was a transference of one form of power using force into one which used mind control, the Catholic Church, used to have the fasci carried by the bodyguards and they'd have a bunch of them around the Pope, the early Pope, carrying this bundle of rods which cover up the axe. Individually a stick can be broken but you tie them together as a bundle and it's hard to break. That fasci has always been very, very important because it hides an elite who stick together and who are as strong as can be as long as they all stick together. And you think of, of the, <laughs> the symbology that's being used in the nations. The early English flag, was, we are told, just happens to be the same flag as the eventual Knights Templar used, not the first one they used, which was the Black Cross. And tradition says that after the first major battles, the Pope says, okay, you can use the Red Cross for all the blood you've lost on a white background. In 
that was the English flag. And the merger they gave for the United Kingdom was to, to put the St. Andrew's Cross, which they gave to Scotland, which is the Illumined Man, the X, number 10, in Roman numerology. And then they mixed another one with it. So you have the, you have basically um, an eight-pointed star, although it's on a square. The symbol in masonry of power and money. The United States has got the, the white stars on the fuselage of their aircraft. Interestingly, the, the communists had the red one, five-pointed star, ancient again. And we see this, this, this war, then we use <laughs> the same one with Israel who reinvented uh, an old, old symbol which was even from India long before there was any Bible written. A six-pointed star, the above and below the two triangles, that's where the, the Masonic compass and square actually come from. That same symbol, and it's a recent uh, adaptation by uh, the Zionist League who helped to create it in league with the elite of Britain. It's a recent uh, adaptation for a symbol or an emblem of Israel. And people will adapt so quickly to their flags, they'll cry at national anthems and, and kill you for telling them the truth, you see. Every country is pretty well the same. This is tribal instincts, and you don't even notice when they're changing. Canada's flag... Is, is two red upright bars, a white square in the middle with a red maple leaf in it. And it wasn't that way uh, quite a few years ago. It was just the Union Jack they had. And yet most who are grown up now don't even know that. So we adapt to these symbols in a tribal way, never knowing we're getting played with all the time, or what they mean. They have to go into, into the ancient symbologies to realize there are religions behind the religions that we know of. And there's one prime religion behind the ones all of you know of. And these are thousands and thousands and maybe even millions of years old. Now you're watching the supposed new uh, Star of David taking on the, the moon, you see, of Islam, the new moon, and now we're seeing the, the American white star get in there, and I believe too, just like World War II, the Britain will have the white star on their tanks and so on, just like they did then. So we're seeing uh, these, these symbols come again, and these symbols are used in the higher religion. All of them are used in the higher religion. There were temples discovered uh, about a year ago or so, maybe two years ago, in Paris. Under there, there was an underground chamber found, and there's miles of tunneling under Paris, the old tunneling, and they found these symbols of some group that, that had met their donkeys years ago. Uh, with all of these symbols, all of them, the Star of David, the Nazi swastika, swastika, which is actually from India again, swastika is from India, so it's a Sanskrit word. And uh, and all and the five pointy stars and all the cabalistic signs and symbols. 
all in the roof, shared by the high occultic group, who play all the in, uh, different ones independently against each other. And the media, of course, the middleman, once again, is doing his war drum thing about, uh, oh, oh, geez, what are we going to do? There's so much happening in the Middle East. We'll, we'll have to help Israel, and we'll have to, 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 to get the United Nations in there, which is what they've been trying for for ages. But it wasn't time to do it until now, because these boys go by a timetable. They never make a, a premature step, or they might lose. They, they, they do it all according to the timetable. By 2010, we will be functioning without borders here. By 2010, you'll have a united Africa. And that's what the African National Congress was to do. That's the real job of, of Mandela. That's what he was there to do, was to create a trading block of the whole of Africa. Just like they're doing a trading block of Europe. And one of the Americas. One of the Far East. And Australia has been sold in with the Far East and robbed by Britain. The ordinary people of every country are at the mercy of these elitists with their planning. Who truly believe they know better. They truly, truly believe they have the right to dictate to us how our lives should be run. And like H.G. Wells said, many will fight to stop the new world order. And, and that's what he wrote about no open, open conspiracy. He says they'll fight never knowing that the, that the system they're trying to save belongs to the same one. They gave us that part of the system. We serve a purpose for these boys at the top. That is our purpose of living, according to them. Produce, consume, pay taxes. Send bodies to wars. Just keep supplying the bodies. And in, in between times they're telling you there's too many, I should cut back. Here's more inoculations, get sick, become sterile. And we should all keep in mind that once the Middle East is over with, done, and standardized, and then there's a, a, United, a true United Arab Emirate type deal, the same as the United Africa and, and the Americas and Europe and Far East, there'll be no more function for most of the people here. And yet here we are when we supply them with troops galore to to make this plan emerge, to come to a, a final conclusion. The big power groups within all races, creeds, sects, are all one at the top. They're all playing their part for the same agenda. They all have their funding and their orders from the same big uh, foundations. The books that you read, the novels that you read, they're paid for by the big foundations. They promote most of the sci-fi to implant the ideas in your head of possibilities to come. Make them somehow 
familiar to you, like they're on a natural path. And they always sell an idea with fascination through fiction. It's far more interesting than dull, dry books and lectures. So just, just give it a fictional account. And uh, some psychologists advise the authors and sociologists to advise them. And these, these books take off the life of their own. The public swallow them and start quoting fiction as fact. Programmed. People are being programmed all the time. And they don't know it. For every group out there, such as the Zionist group, there's a higher Zionist group above them with a totally different cause, a different set of beliefs, altogether completely different. Same with the, the, the so-called Nazis, you know. And when you read some of the books by some of the high Zionists, it's the same control freak world they're talking about bringing into view as their, their present high Nazis. It's the same one. The controlled society, the planned society, the society with a function. And now is the time for people to keep their heads because we've been given our heroes to follow in certain alternate medias who will get the ball rolling to get the fighting started amongst each other at the right time. And I'm sure for donkey's years now they'll be preparing, we've seen it, we've seen them be preparing for internal strife within America, the U.S. They've been building up internal armies for years and years and years for the day when <clears throat> the public will be encouraged to do something about it, what's happening. So don't fall for the rhetoric. Don't follow the individuals that are put up there and pay very well to be the your uh, your leaders, the official opposition. I've said for years, people should demand to know what else anyone who takes a paycheck from the, the taxpayer, what else they've taken to what societies. It should be on public record for everybody to see and published. Give, all you have to do is, is, is vote in this so-called democratic system. Once you vote, that's it. You have no more rights. You just voted someone in without finding out all about them. Because you, he you heard all you wanted to hear. I am this. I am a conservative. I'm a. I'm Republican. I'm. I'm, I'm left wing. I'm right wing. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. And you never asked the most important thing of all: to what societies have you do you belong? What oath have you taken? So you give all this power to people who then you elect into office because they're left, right wing, or right wing, or whatever. And they put laws over on you. And you're all standing back saying, How, why would they do that? It's because you didn't, you didn't ask them what they belonged to. You didn't demand to know. You didn't demand to know. And it's the same in every country. We'll keep our eye on what's happening.
happening and, and there will be trouble here at home with the weather modification they're doing to get the chaos going uh, the ball is in their court and I said quite a few years ago I said the hardest thing people will have to do in, during this upcoming time is to keep their sanity as we go through this because chaos will be brought on either real but propagated through the media like the bird flu and all this kind of stuff but we also have the, the weather modification big time as I say there was 115 kilometer winds went through here on Monday the sky turned black thousands of trees were down there's still a, a few, uh, 100,000 people without electricity up this, this area and I watched them making the storm they brought it on I watched them making it in the sky everything in revelations can be done through science and it's child's play today and people must keep their, their heads as they go through this crisis time as this escalates because if the big boys had been caught planning this with the CFR before or right after 9-11 occurred if it was exposed at the time they could have blamed it on misunderstandings and uh, bureaucratic errors and all this usual stuff that they give us but you see the axe is falling now the axeman is, is he's already swung the axe and it's ready to cut the, the head and they can't go back now they can't stop they can't stop now it's all or nothing for them at the top And when you get fanatics who have planned this for so, so long a time, before these present bunch were born, then whatever it takes then justifies the means with them. And that means that however it takes to kill anywhere to bring this plan to its final conclusion, they'll do it. Because we are nothing to them. And all the, the people who love to point fingers at this bunch and that bunch and all the other bunches, just remember, at the top of every bunch, probably including the one that you follow yourself, they're all connected at the top. The elite of all the different religions don't follow the religion that you think they follow. It's completely different. And it's always been that way. The race factor has been played for thousands of years. And it's so odd that the public, the public, the general public never win. And the same families can come all down through history for thousands of years. In every country. So we should bear that in mind as they stir the pot and get the whole world fighting here. And those who do follow the religion should think again and break the tribal bond you've been trained to follow so that you can see clearly and see where you're being led and by whom well that's about all for now and this video, the DVD should be out in a week anyway and keep watching the website I'll get it up there Bye for now.